God, in this sanctuary at this time of worship, we take time to offer you our prayers of abundant gratitude for so much, for our lives, our earth, our communities and support systems, our church and opportunities to serve others and praise you. While it is true that we might define this as a season of gratitude, we pray that our thanks will grow to fill the entire year. Here are prayers that we will see compassion as seasonless and kindness as timeless. As we take in these beautiful fall days, trees transitioning into the next stage of their life, and days giving up some of their light as the nights grow longer, we are reminded of your fullness and breadth. We see the wonder of your creation all around us, living things that we could not begin to imagine or create, transforming and changing with the season. In our families and friends, we find love embodied and care given even when we feel withered and undeserving of it. In the sounds of rain and gentle breeze, we celebrate that which brings us and your world life. We are incredibly grateful for all of your handiwork that surrounds us. Even as we acknowledge beauty and life, we know that there are places and people who suffer incredibly this time of year and each day. There are places that are devastated by war and insecurity of almost every kind. There are people who are lonely, alone, lost, and who may feel like they have nothing. In these places, in these lives, in the moments where all seems lost and irreparably broken, may we remember and extend the gift of your joy, your spirit of love, and the power of your peace. With grateful hearts, may we do what we can in our own ways and in our own time to share your good news of great love and mercy. As followers of Christ, we pray that we will live out his teachings and practice hospitality and thoughtfulness with those who struggle to find their place, their way. God, hear our prayers today, our prayers that we will share generously the gifts you have so generously given. We pray all of this to you today.
witness of scripture this morning comes from Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him.
At any given time, there are plenty of reasons for not being grateful. Sometimes there are health struggles. Other times there are financial matters. Sometimes there are family issues. Other times there are professional concerns. Beyond life's daily challenges, Mary Jo Letty, in her book Radical Gratitude, describes the primary disposition of North American societies today as a culture of craving. We are haunted by nightmares of scarcity, she writes, by fears that someone else is taking everything, that there is never enough and we will not get what we think we deserve, resulting in cravings for things we think will fill us, fix us, or make us forget our doubts and pain. Now, if shared by many others, the perspective of scarcity can lead to protectionism and, at its worst, even rage. This is not a vision of a community of gratitude, she writes, but creates a society of ingrates. Now, to be sure, where injustice and oppression exist, it is right and good to speak prophetic words of change. But this is not the focus of Letty's concern. She wonders why so many people are perceiving the glass as half empty or even more. Like any difficult issue, there are a variety of reasons for an inclination of ingratitude. We know, for example, that any strength can have a liability. Personal responsibility and individual agency are valuable traits. However, taken to an extreme, those valuing individualism and self-reliance can perceive gratitude as a weakness. Because to be grateful suggests we depend on another or are even indebted to another. Ralph Waldo Emerson said it most dramatically when he wrote, we wish to be self-sustained. We do not quite forgive a giver. And research suggests that men may struggle with this dynamic more than women. We're all susceptible to other factors that can make gratitude challenging. Fear can render gratitude almost inaccessible. Entitlement creates the perspective of getting what is deserved, so why would anyone be grateful for what is rightly theirs? And that's especially a problem when people believe what is rightly theirs is the whole pumpkin pie and not just one slice that leaves some for others. Perfectionism is an enemy to gratitude. Because as the enemy of the good, perfectionism is never satisfied. It's never settled. There's always something wrong. And until it's all set right, there's a low mumbling. And it never allows the mouth to smile or the voice to say thank you. 
The tyranny of social media with its images of the idyllic guarantees our displeasure. And it's so easily available on the phones we carry and the messages we are constantly receiving. Busyness leaves no room to pause, to take a breath, because who can afford to get behind? Frenzy as a daily pattern, not a temporary demand, leads to exhaustion, too tired to even think of gratitude. And we've all been there from time to time. We do pause this Thursday for Thanksgiving Day, and that is a very good idea. But even a national day of thanks as originally intended has morphed into a privatized celebration and the commercialized starting line for the dash to Christmas. At any given time, even Thanksgiving time, there are ample challenges to gratitude. The church, in its wisdom, offers an alternative to frantic frenzy and anxiety, to perpetual perfectionism and entitlement. The church provides a sacred space that's called gratitude. Our biblical book of hymns called the Psalms give great voice to gratitude. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Let us come into God's presence with thanksgiving. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for God is good. God's steadfast love endures forever. The psalmist gives voice to what might not be in our everyday vernacular. And so does Paul's letter to the church in the small town of Colossae of Phrygia in Asia Minor. A colleague of Paul's had brought the good news to this group of Colossians, but later Paul learned there were issues and disputes. And so he wrote this letter to help try orient our Colossian ancestors in the faith. The second half of the letter, part of which we heard today, offers practical wisdom for daily living. Paul writes, with gratitude for what God has done in Christ whom we follow, we have been given an entirely new wardrobe. We are given the garments of compassion to wear in the midst of apathy. We're given kindness in the midst of dismissiveness. We're given humility in the midst of self-promotion, meekness in the midst of aggression, patience in the midst of irritability, forgiveness in the midst of vengeance, love as the coat holding all things together, and peace as the fashion for the future. And then Paul concludes with three words of thanks. Be thankful. With gratitude in your hearts, sing. In word and deed, do everything in Christ's way, giving thanks 
to God. It is the trifecta of gratitude. Paul's encouragement gives us a clue that thanksgiving does not deny reality nor pretend everything is okay. Instead, gratitude provides a balance and a perspective, a life-giving, delightful resistance to persistent ingratitude, a recognition that we have received unexpected good even if and through something that's been challenging. In as close to a working definition of gratitude as there is, Diana Butler Bass says, gratitude is a mix of love and appreciation enabling us to become our best selves in the process. This Thursday, as many will gather around tables in a variety of forms to give thanks, every Sunday, this church is gathered to a table. And it's not just any table. It is a table that is named gratitude, thanksgiving, Eucharist. We do not simply enter God's courts with thanksgiving. Gratitude is the center of our worship. Because at this table, we are reminded of the unexpected gift and grace we have all received. Here is the cornucopia of God for everybody to receive and everyone to share, whether that is an ornate table on the high altar or a rough-hewn plank in a brush arbor. Here, we recall Jesus' stories of a lavishly giving God. A God who provides the best of all drinks for the wedding feast. The God who throws seeds everywhere on the ground because no place is absent the life gift of God's grace. Of the God who invites everyone to the banquet. Who wants everyone to come to the party when the wayward child has returned home. Who takes a little and feeds a lot. Jesus did not invent this idea of a gracious God. It was part of his religious upbringing. Because as Walter Brueggemann reminds us, the greatest Jewish festivals are designed as outpourings of gratitude by Israel, who lives completely by the power and the generosity of God, completely dependent upon the gifts of a good God. So the church proclaims that Thanksgiving Day is not rooted in our successes nor in our fortune. Instead, Thanksgiving begins and ends with God. So, yes, at any given moment, there are reasons for not being grateful. But if we examine that phrase at any given moment, we realize there are also ample reasons for being grateful. 
because the truth is whether we live for one day or for more than 100 years, every moment of life is given. It's all a gift. And if we are all at all awake, we are grateful to someone, for something, with others, and sometimes even in the midst of challenge. Now, to be sure, gratitude cannot be forced, but it can be taught and encouraged and modeled. Parents, grandparents, adults are right and good to remind the next generations to say thank you and to practice it with one another. It's not that it's difficult. It just gets crowded out at times, and then it gets forgotten. So the church gathers at this table to remember that, as G.K. Chesterton said, gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. The joyful gift of gratitude is that it has a wonderful specificity. Offer a general thank you to someone, and the response is likely to be, well, thank you for what? So, as we are about to gather at this table, a few specific words of thanks seem appropriate. Thank you. Thank you, First Christian Church of Norman, for you are a place centered in Eucharist, in thanksgiving. A table not for some who qualify, but for all who hunger to receive the gifts of God. Thank you, First Christian. You are a place that is not afraid to ask hard questions and to seek new insights. Thank you. You are a place where differences of perspective and variations of beliefs are not justification for division nor dogmatism, but are opportunities for reflection and inclusion. Thank you. You are a place where reverence is valued and mystery is invited. Thank you. You are a place where beauty in arts and music, in words and deeds, are valued. Thank you. You are a place that rolls up its sleeves to work alongside those who cannot do for themselves. Thank you. You are a place where people do not retreat to enclaves of similarity, but where those who have been around for seven or eight decades get on the floor with those who have barely started their first decade. And then you're there to help each other up because the floor gets awfully low. <laughs> Thank you. Because you're a place that never ever is reluctant to weep for one another and to always be ready to laugh with one another. Thank you, because you are a space 
for those in recovery, and you, and you provide room for little ones to be nurtured. Thank you. You are a place where three and sometimes four generations worship in the same pew or join in singing the same anthem. Thank you. You are a place that knows you are not perfect. And so you will always press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So it is to be gathered, centered in this table called Thanksgiving, a table that invites each of us to be specific, to, for, with, in gratitude. Diana Butler Bass's book, Grateful, includes a variety of gratitude prayers, a sampling of which includes the following. Awakening in a moment of peace, I give thanks to the source of all peace. As I set forth into the day, the birds sing with new voices and I listen with new ears and give thanks, writes Harriet Kofalk. For the freshness of this new day, thanks be to you, O God. For the morning's gift of clarity, its light like the first day's dawn, thanks be to you. In this newborn light, let us see afresh. In this gateway onto what has never been before, let our souls breathe hope for the earth, for the creatures, and for the human family. Let our soul breathe hope wrote John Philip Newell. So, before we blitz through this Thursday on our way to Christmas gifting, let's take a page from the church's wisdom. Let us tap the brakes on frenzy and fear, on entitlement or envy. Let us not simply celebrate a day of thanksgiving. Let us Proclaim a life of thanksgiving. Because, well, you know, that really is the gift that keeps on giving.